in the world of creative real estate investing, there's so many different ways you can do things, which is why I love this industry. But uh, for me, what I was going to do is I was going to take my contract and sell it to somebody else, right? Welcome to the Mental Candy Podcast. Thanks so much, Alex, for having me. You're welcome. <laughs> um, can you introduce yourself a little bit for people who don't know you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. My name is, uh, yeah, yeah, my name is Sullivan. I'm from, uh, from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. I was uh, just hanging out in Mexico there for the last uh, five months and running my business actually remotely. Um, I have a, a real estate business that I do that I've had for, um, you know, I've been in the real estate game for, um, started 10 years ago and, you know, full time into it now for uh, the last four years. And uh, it's been good. It's been, it's been kind of really cool, just, you know, slowly building your own thing and, you know, and, and doing it that way. And so it's been really, really fun. And along the way, made some really good connections. And so, um, so yeah. And so, yeah, for me, I'm just looking to continue growing, keep adding skill sets to my, to my belt and keep moving forward like that. Nice. Yeah, um, I met you in in Mexico, in Playa del Carmen. Yeah. So at, at those times I recorded the podcast, so I'm still in Mexico, you're in Canada. And yeah. I realized when we had the conversation, like for the first time, I think we went to the Christmas party, and yeah. I realized you are very, very smart, and you just really know what you're talking about. So that's the reason why I'm, I'm super excited for this episode today. And can you share a little bit your journey, how you got involved in real estate, and how... Mm -hmm you build your company from scratch? Sure. Um, so yeah, loaded question, but I'll, I'll, I'll get into that. So uh, like I said, I started, so with, with me, actually, real estate was one of the very first things I actually pursued, even while I was in high school. So I, you know, just going through high school, I knew that I was never going to pursue any type of traditional education or anything like that. Because, you know, from a young age, I, I took a look at like, I basically was like, what's the, the profession that would paid me the most and I think it was like doctor or whatever. And I'm like, okay, do I want to be a doctor? Or is the doctor even going to give me enough money to afford my lifestyle? And the answer was no. You know, like I was like, is the is this going to give me a private jet? Is this going to give me a yacht? And I'm like, no, I don't think I can achieve that by, with being a doctor. But also it was just the, uh, the time constraints and, you know, having someone dictate, you know, where you spend all your time and what you do. And I didn't really want to be locked in. And so I knew early on I was going to be uh, a business owner. I just didn't really know, you know, what type of business I would do or what I what I'd pursue. And so um, I think naturally, like where where my head just kind of went to was I, I was just like, well, you know, it's it's real estate. You know, a lot of people think of real estate. It's it's a very common way to um, um, to kind of you know make make money. And I think a lot of people naturally go to it. And so when I was 17, I, I was like, I'm going to start to pursue real estate. And so I ended up taking some courses and um, jumping down the investor route. I never wanted to be a realtor because a realtor, again, to me, just seemed like another job. It was a, it was just a, uh, and also, you know, as a realtor, you're, you know, you have a, you have people to answer to and you have a bunch of clients and you, you know, you're more, it's, it's more of a job structure. Like it's more of like, you are a small business owner, but within kind of the structure where you, you know, someone does kind of tell you what to do and how to behave and how to act. And I'm a little bit too free spirited for someone to tell me how to, you know, how to be and stuff like that. So I chose the investor route and I like that, that way a lot better because, you know, with real estate investing, there's so many different strategies that you can do. So I took some courses and, uh, you know, I started 
um, to kind of get the ball rolling in real estate. And, and so I started my first strategy. What I, what I learned with those courses was essentially how to flip a real estate contract. So at the time, I mean, you didn't, didn't have money. I didn't have access to even any money. So this was a way I could kind of um, get my foot into the door. So basically the strategy I did was learn how to find incredibly good off-market properties, you know, um, dealing directly with the seller, tie that property up in a contract where I have the rights to this contract. But instead of me bringing the money to the table, closing on the deal, and then, you know, renovating it or flipping it or doing something like that, I could just take my right to the deal, my piece of paper, and I could sell it to somebody else who would buy the rights to that deal off me, you know, and I could mark it up, 10, 20 grand, whatever, whatever spread that was in there. And so um, I, I, I was, I started to kind of do that strategy. And, um, and at the time I was only 17. So I really did not know what the heck I was doing, Alex. It was very foreign to me. And and so there was actually this this one one deal where I, I I attempted to do, and what happened was is is I removed my conditions. So you put conditions in a contract to protect you. So if you can't move forward with the deal, you're not liable to 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 purchase it. You can still you know pull out and not be and not commit to buying it. But what I did, I made a mistake, and I sorry. Do you have a question? What is conditions like? You have to pay something, or how how does it work? Yeah. So basically. If you were to go and purchase a property, right, um, you would have an offer that you would write up, but then you would say, I'm going to buy this property under these certain conditions. So conditions are basically like, I will, like, I'm, I'm not, I'm going to buy it if these things work out. And a lot of common conditions for most people are, well, I need to get approved for financing or uh, it's, it's subject to get an inspection or I have to sell my property in order to buy yours. So it always comes with conditions and the conditions that you put in a, in a, in a, D, in a contract is what protects you. Because if you don't, you know, put conditions in there and you write up a contract and there's no conditions legally, you now have to buy that property. So it, it's there to you know, make sure that you are doing all your due diligence before you, you know, buy a couple hundred thousand dollar piece of property. And how do you know what, what should be in the conditions and not? Oh, I mean, for, for me, I just keep it pretty broad. I just go, you know, when I'm tying up a property, I just go subject to due diligence at the sole and absolute discretion of the buyer, which means anything I want it to be. It literally could just mean my partner, who's my dog, doesn't like the color of the wall. So we're not buying the property. It literally just had any reason to pull out a deal. So that way you can tie properties up, meaning that now you have basically, you can control. What I like about real estate is the leverage, right? Like I can go and tie up properties and I can put a $1 deposit down to make the contract legal and I control a $300,000 asset with $1 down, right? So there's just so much leverage. Um, uh, with with real estate so how does it work you go basically on a page where people sell their properties and then um, or how what is the how does the, the process look like for for somebody who want to do something like this and has not the money let's say to make like 10 15 down payment for like a, a 300 grand building or like right so, so yeah i would say just number one like if you're going to get into real estate just decide like what is your strategy because there's like 10 different kinds of things you can do. And as you get better at real estate, you, like I said, you can do things 10 different ways or you have so many different strategies, right? So I would say, 
you're going to get in, focus on, a, on one strategy first, because there's many different types of strategies that you can implement. The way that I'm talking about is it's kind of an entry-level way. It's actually called wholesaling uh, real estate, right? It, it's a very it's a very basic way to get in. And essentially, the, the whole concept of it is you are essentially just a real estate matchmaker. You are you are in the middle of a transaction. So you're finding discounted properties, properties that are attractive for an investor. And then you are connecting. So basically, let's just let's go through an example, Alex. Okay. Let's say you wanted to sell your property. Okay. Now you have two different directions you can go. You can go a traditional route, which is hire a real estate agent, and they will come and they will, you know, list your house. Um, that usually takes a lot a while, and you usually have to have a lot of people come through your house, but you can go that route, or you can go and sell it to an investor privately. And this person is typically, you know, not gonna buy it on emotion, they're gonna buy it on logic because. As an investor, we don't, we, I don't care about the color of the walls. I don't care about this. I care about, can I make money on this property? So um, typically, you know, you're going to get a, a lesser price if you go that route, but it will be quick and fast. And so it's, it's a way that some people would rather do things. They would rather, you know, sell to an investor because usually it's quicker. So um, for someone like myself, I have different marketing channels that I utilize in order to um, have people actually reach out and and uh, and call me. One one of them um, uh, actually is just like literally a handwritten note that says, "Hey, you know, my name is Solomon. You know, I want to buy your house. You know, if you're wanting to sell, give me a call." And you know, we'll send out sometimes ten thousand of those letters out per month. You know, with a uh, postal service. Obviously, we're not going to go deliver them ourselves. And then people will call that are interested in selling the house. So that's um. I don't know if that answered your question, but that's kind of the way that one of the ways that I generate. Okay, you sent basically like 10,000 texts to the post offices and they just like are letters and they just get delivered. Yeah, yeah. So you, 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 yeah, you can pick an area. Like, so for me, I, I can pick an area of town that I want to target. Like, if I want to buy properties in this area, I will kind of, you can, you can draw on the map where you want them to deliver to and they'll, They'll drop them, drop them off. So, <laughs> nice. what is the response rate? Yeah, on fires, it's it's very it's it's like zero point five percent. Zero point five percent. Okay. So if you send out if you send out about let's just say you send about ten thousand letters, uh, you will receive probably fifty calls around there. In in which time period? Um. So it, it's funny because they all eighty percent of them will come in the first two days. Right, so you get eight. Like, so if you send that many out, you just you got to be prepared. Um, like, I have somebody who answers the calls, but they have to be prepared when that batch gets sent out to, you know, be on 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 your game because that's when all the calls are going to come through. So they all kind of come in at uh, uh, eight percent on the first two days, and then and then you get the other twenty percent that like straggle in here. Like sometimes people will call you months down the road, and and yeah, so that's just one one way that uh, generate that I generate deals. Nice. So how often do you do this strategy? Um, I, I, um, what's funny actually is I, I do them, used to do them monthly. Uh, but, you know, sometimes you will run out of the city. I mean, for me, there's about a million, million people in my city and there's about, I would say 300,000 houses. So sometimes you can, you know, run out, uh, 
you know, it doesn't take too long if you're sending out, you know, 10, 20, 30,000 of those letters a month. Uh, but I, I found some of actually what's funny is I have this marketing um, source that I do that's so, so like you, you would think that it, it doesn't work, but it works very, very well. And it's literally where I, I, I have these like corrugated plastic signs, right? And I literally with a marker will write on them, I or I want to buy your house and then, and then a number just handwritten. And you slap them in the intersections around the city, like where people are stopped at red lights and you throw them around the city and they're the ugliest signs ever. But Alex, it, it works because they, you know, people call them, right? You got to think about that, that kind of marking that I'm doing, like how many eyes are on there? Like one intersection, like there's probably like thousands of people that are at that light every single day, right? And if you put out a bunch of those around the city, like there's so many eyes on your uh, on your sign. And so that actually generates some calls, which which can which turns into deals at times. So there's so many ways that you can do it. Like with with a with any type of business, right? Like it it uh, you can there's so many different ways that you can market. There's traditional ways, there's ways that um you can if you've just come up with you can you can do. But so I like well business man, it's just like whatever you want to do, you can do. <laughs> That's interesting. Do you do something online too to generate uh, leads? Um, I was, yeah, I was doing, um, I was doing some funnels uh, before. I found that they they didn't really work too well. So essentially, I had this, I had a, a marketing agency that I, I I worked with, and they were doing ads for me. And so what we did is built out a uh, essentially like a a funnel, right? So it was a indirect because we tried direct and indirect ways of marketing. Uh, the direct ways where we just threw an ad out that essentially said, you know, want to sell your house fast, you know, put your info in and we'll we'll reach out. We found that direct way was actually when we 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 tested it, we found that it really didn't work too well and it didn't generate very good leads. The leads were very low quality. A lot of times, you know, we would call the leads back and they would be like, I never, I don't, I don't, I didn't put my information in here. And so Found that it wasn't the best way, so then we switched to an indirect way to, to to do this, which was to essentially collect emails. So what we did is we would um, basically do ad, like ads for people that were wanting to sell their house, but instead of just saying "Hey, sell your house," we were saying "Hey, if you're in the market to sell your house. Here's a 10-step checklist that you will need in order to uh, have your house ready to sell." Right? If you want this article, put your email in, and we will send it to you. Right? And so they put their email in and then uh, they would um, basically automatically get sent to them. And then there would be there, they would bring them to another page, which would say, get a free home evaluation. They'd fill their info out and then we would capture that lead. But the main thing that we were trying to do is it was kind of like a long term plan, uh, long term game plan, because we thought, hey, if we can collect like a thousand thousand people opt into this a month, collect a thousand emails over a year, that's twelve thousand. We can automatically like. Like every, we can every month we can send out promotions like, hey, we're buying, we're still looking to buy properties. Uh, if you sell us your property for this month, this month only, we'll we'll cover your legal fees, like all these kind of things. So the goal was to generate a ton of emails and then um, do it like that. But we never end up really pushing that because I just I don't know. I just found that my other sources of marketing were working way better, so I didn't didn't bother with it. It's interesting. So basically, the the traditional methods they work better for you. Yeah, yeah, I guess the, the untraditional, I, I guess you could say, are, are working better. 
I, but it's just business to business, right? Like if I had a different type of business, social media would probably be better. But I had to just, over the years, I've tested and tracked every different type of marketing channel and, and found the ones that worked. And, and now I just do the ones that work because I don't want to spend the time and money that takes exactly. to do something. Else. Yeah. This is what I do the same is like I check different options and what are the results? Then I, yeah. I check it's okay, this is an idea what I can definitely pursue more. Or just mm -hmm. no, no, I'm gonna move my hands from this because that doesn't bring any results. So you basically try all the time until you have something that really works. And then you put all your energy in, and then you get like the the, the best uh, outcome. Totally, totally right. And I'm I'm sure you you do most of your marketing on social media. Do you, is social media kind of your bread and butter? And yeah. we don't do paid ads, and we just I do like everything organic with my Facebook profile and my Instagram. That's amazing. Yeah. And I'm sure like then when people click on your, uh, they click on your page, they can see like everything flows, right? It, it, you know, it's like, they can see what you do. They can see, you know, your, your, your business guy, you're doing stuff every day and you're on it. So that's, it just flows. I find. Yeah. But that, that's even like a, a lot of work from my side because I have the, I have to be the person who's like every time online, basically like sharing, sharing, yeah. posting something. And of course I have some people editing videos all the time in the background, but coordinating like everything, you know, that we have the, the, the perfect outcome. It's like, you really need to have like a, a, a clear structure in your head because you cannot do everything on your own. So it's like, like every time when, when I do a task, for example, let's say we record the podcast, like a few guys, one is in Pakistan editing a video at the same time. The other one is somewhere in India messaging people on my Instagram account. You know, it's like, so they are like working, working in the back. Uh, it's super interesting. Isn't that nice though, Alex, how like you are, uh, you're sitting here, we're doing a podcast, but like your business is, there's still stuff going on in your business right now, even though you're sitting yeah. here. I think now uh, there's one guy in Austria, he gave me some concepts for videos. I was recording it before he's editing them. There's another guy editing some other videos. So they're like a lot of people and <laughs> yeah. we, we organize a lot. We do a workout uh, in the gym on, on Friday and we're going to film it and have some, uh, some more content and. Yeah, it's, uh, it's everything a lot, uh, a lot going on. Oh, nice. Thanks for t telling me about CapCut, by the way. It was so easy to use. I actually made, made a video on there and it was, it was nice. So thanks for filming yeah, that. Is, that's, that's an amazing app for that, for captions. It's, it's very, so, very So yeah, so much easier to, to edit videos and just have the words at the bottom too. Yeah this, is, yeah, this is important because people don't have to, sometimes they are like in the train station, they don't can watch, the, they cannot watch the video with the tone. So it's, it has to have captions, definitely. It's, mm -hmm. Otherwise it's, you, you lose potential buyers or clients. Yeah, no, totally right. And not just like captions, it's gotta have like, like, like everything. everything's gotta pop. Like it's good. You have to keep someone's attention every two seconds. You gotta keep them on there or they're gonna, you're competing with all the other videos out there. Like it just keeps scrolling. Yeah, exactly. And we have like, so attention grabbing videos where you have basically like every one and a half seconds, something changing. If it's a zoom in or if it's just like a, an effect or like a picture coming in a zoom effect. And it's like, it's crazy. And they told me like, they need like 10 hours to edit one video. It's crazy what they like, because it's so much work and they remove like even the, the breath in between, basically like you cannot even speak so far as Oh, yeah. video because to remove everything in the middle so it, it's crazy it's like it's so attention grabbing you just watch the video and you're like you're like you're getting information like all the time <laughs> so it's 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 even difficult to, to watch away no kidding no kidding man yeah what are some uh common mistakes or pitfalls 
that new investors should avoid when entering the real estate industry? Mm -hmm. Good question. Uh, I would say, I would say biggest pitfall would just to kind of say like, it's, it's very important to know what your goal is in real estate because everyone has different goals and depending on your goals is going to determine what type of real estate you do. So I find a lot of people just jump into it. And I would say an, another you know, mistake is uh, I think people don't uh, you know, look for someone to, to help them out. And I find in the real estate space, it's very, very collaborative because, you know, it's, you know, I love working with new people and I, uh, there's a lot of people that like to, you know, get in the game. And I love that because, you know, if I teach them how to go find deals, they're going to go find deals and guess who they're going to bring that deal to me. Right. So I think that uh, mistake is don't try and, you know, do it yourself, do everything yourself, you know, go out there and uh, find someone who is, you know, been doing it for a little while, has a couple, you know, deals under their plate, knows what they're doing. And then just, uh, you know, shadow them and see if you can, you know, find a, a collaborative way to work with them where it's a win-win for both of you. But I'd say, yeah, that's probably one of the biggest, uh, you know, pitfalls. And then not doing your due diligence. Like if you're going to buy, you're going to buy a couple hundred thousand dollar piece of property, like, you know, don't, and then, and don't buy something. Here's another big one. Don't buy something. If your numbers don't work, like don't try and make your numbers work. Like, like I've had that happen where, you know, I looked at a deal and I'm like, oh, but I, 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 I could buy it and I could, you know, I might be able to make something if you're like, I mean, and hawing, just don't buy it because if one bad thing happens or you sit on it for too long, it's going to eat up all your profit and then you're going to lose money. So I would say, follow your numbers. If your numbers don't work, just don't be, don't be emotional about it. I'm very unemotional about something, about real estate. It's just, I look at it one way. Is this going to make me money or not? If it doesn't, then boom, on to the next thing, on to the next deal. So you must be very good at, at calculating upfront, otherwise the, the risk is too high. So you have basically like an Excel sheet where you like uh, calculate everything or how do you do it? I do it, well, again, it depends on like what kind of deal you're doing. But if we want to just, let's just use a standard example if you're flipping a house, okay? Because most people understand that strategy. If you're going to flip a house, you have to, number one, you the a quick way to analyze the deal is you got to look at Okay. Flipping what a house for, can you explain flipping a house for people in the beginning? They have like like no idea what it means. Yeah, sure. Just it just means buying a house that is ugly, renovating it, and selling it for more. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so if you want to kind of use an example like that, the way that you know you can now you don't have to run your numbers the same as everyone. The way that I like to run my numbers uh, is I look look at a property and I say, okay, this is what I'm going to buy it for, and I go. This is what it would be worth if it was fully renovated and you find out how much something is worth because a property is worth um, basically the way that you find the value, how residential homes are uh, basically valued is comparable properties in the area. So if you're buying something in an area, in a neighborhood, you want to look in the same neighborhood, a similar house and see what that is, what that has sold for. Something similar, similar renovations, similar size, same amount of bedrooms, bathrooms, garage. Basically, like you, you want to play a matching game. You're trying to match your property up with a property that is um, already in that area that's the same specs. And that will give you your value of what it would be worth, obviously, when you go do the, do the renovations. And so 
and you got to factor in, okay, so this is what it'll be worth when I sell. And then you got to discount your renovation cost, your, your carrying cost, which is cost to borrow the money or, um, you know, holding costs, you know, paying for the property when you're waiting for it to sell legal fees, then you got to discount realtor fees on top of that. And then you got to discount your profit because you got to say how much profit am I going to be making? And then you got to look and see and, and determine if, if this property is going to be, you know, worth it for you. So, you know, that's kind of how I just do a quick calculation. Um, you know, once I buy it, then I'll do spreadsheets and stuff, but I'm not going to do a spreadsheet on something that I. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. And can you discuss a specific challenging situation you faced in real estate in the beginning and how did you overcome it? Mm -hmm. Sure, sure, sure. I would say the, uh, me, for me personally, uh, sometimes I get envious of people who are able to like learn something so fast and then just go and do it because for me, that wasn't the case. Like things took me so long to learn. So I think it would just, frustration because real estate is such a, a broad thing that I, I felt even though I was learning so much that I, I just felt like I still didn't know what I was doing or I wasn't doing it very well um, for the first couple of years because that learning curve was so um, so sorry what was your question I, I forgot what your question was I don't even know where I was going with this um, <laughs> the question was the challenging situation what you what you faced in the beginning And how did you? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now I know where I was going with this. Yeah. Challenging situation, I guess, was, uh, uh, you know, sometimes not knowing kind of what to do in a deal. Like I would start, um, you know, certain projects uh, because I just didn't want to be on the sidelines. But then it was frustrating to me when I'm like, well, you know, what do I do now? Like, what are the next steps? Like, or, or things would come up because in real estate, man, it's, it's, like I've almost never had, uh, a real estate deal that I did that was just smooth. Like some crap always comes up. Like, like just expect, I just expect that things are going to blow up somewhere and that you just, whatever, just be cool about it. And so at the beginning, what happened? Sorry. What, what is it, for example, what, what blew up in, in the past? Okay. Well, like I'll just give you that. So I mean, there's uh, I had this, this one property and what I was essentially trying to do is, um, I, so I had this property tied up for um, uh, like $200,000, okay? And I wasn't going to buy the property. I was just going to sell the right to my deal to somebody else. So what I did is I sold it to somebody. I said, I'm going to sell you this contract for $220,000. So I had a $20,000 spread there, right? So I had, even before I had this, this property purchased, I had him, so I let's say I was going to buy your house, right? I'm going to try and keep this like not confusing, but it, it, if you get lost, just ask me. So let's say, for example, I, I, I agreed to buy your property, $200,000. I wrote up a contract with you, okay? I was the buyer, you were the seller, okay? Now, in the world of creative real estate investing, there's so many different ways you can do things, which is why I love this industry. But uh, for me, what I was going to do is I was going to take my contract and sell it to somebody else, right? But what the strategy that I was implementing was, is I was going to um, have the new buyer purchase the property, right? E even though, so I would have him essentially, um, I would use his money to close on my end and then the title would get transferred over, right? So I have a contract with you and now I have selling this deal to somebody else. 
and I have him write up an offer to me, who now I'm the uh, now I'm the seller, and he's the buyer, right? Now he has to fulfill his end of the agreement in order to, for our end of the agreement to work. So what happened was is with him, he didn't fill his end of the agreement out, and so now I was stuck with this property that I had to, you know, I agreed to purchase, but I had his money lined up, but he pulled out. And I now had to buy this property for $200,000. And so I had to literally um, uh, a, a day to come up with $200,000 cash. And I was like, this is this sucks. Like this just put me in a position that was so stressful, but I was able to raise the money and close on the property now buy it. But that's just an example of someone who How did like, you, legally- did you, ask, did you ask for investors or how, how did you do that? Yeah, I have I have investors, um, you know, that I can utilize that that will go in on deals with me, right? So, um, if it's a good deal, luckily it was a good deal, so it, you know people you know want to jump in on it. So it wasn't uh, it was still hard, but it wasn't like it wasn't like I was starting from scratch with no connections, right? Like I I have people that I can call that you know you, you want to jump on the deal, like lend some money, right? So I but that's an example of something that happened where um, it was going smooth and then someone down the line didn't hold up their end of the deal and then it really affected me so that's that's just one of many different ways and then lawyers can screw up your deals realtors can screw up your deals it, there's so so many things i mean contracts are not are just are just there people can break contracts and they do it all the time and they're like you know they're like well sue me you know and then you're not gonna go sue them because suing takes i've had to do it before and it's just not worth it because it takes forever and even if you win they they they, they still might not pay you because they might not have the money so it's just the stuff like that man <laughs> it's 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 not worth it to go through the legal process yeah no i've i've done it before it was just so much work and i was like it just it, it's honestly it's so much easier it's easier someone screws you or something happens and you have to sue somebody it's honestly alex it's, it's it's actually easier to just go out and make that make more money than go out and try and sue them and get, get your money yeah yeah i, I can totally i can totally understand <laughs> so this is why this is why like for me i'm very like within uh you know real estate like so, sometimes there's some bad apples and sometimes you know it, it can be a little bit sharky out here but that's why it's important to find your circle and you know the people that you do business with and that you do repeated business with and then you can kind of for the most part keep a lot of the deals within that circle and then you know that hey because i've already worked with this person there's a trust there that you, you guys are all looking out for each other and then it's easier to make money i find when you're you're working in in a group of people that you've worked with before and you trust and and uh then you'll have to watch your back all the time because you know i really hate to say it but you know, I, uh, yeah, like there's a lot of people that, you know, if they if they had the opportunity to take advantage of you, they would. So you have to just kind of keep your guard up sometimes. Yeah, it'd be smart. jaded, but it's just the reality sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if you could start from scratch now, so if it's like, okay, you have the experience, what would you do different? Hmm. That's a good question, actually. Uh, give me a second here. What do I do differently? Um. Okay, I guess, you know, knowing what I know now, I guess I would, obviously, number one, I would know the best marketing channels to use. But I would just say, um, it, it's hard, hard to say, Alex, because 
the the way that I kind of did it was I I was the type of guy when I first got started is I was like I understand I'm, I'm gonna suck for the first little while but I'm just gonna throw myself out there things might be awkward I might not know what I'm doing I might get questions that people are gonna ask me that I won't be able to answer but I knew if I just quickly jumped in the game eventually I'd pick it up a lot quicker so that part was good but I think um, I, if I had to do it differently I might um, I, I would jump. If I had, if no one would I knew, knew now, I would jump into um, uh, bigger deals a little bit sooner instead of waiting for a little while. Because I realized if you jump into the bigger deals, um, it, it's not too much more of an effort, even though you're going to make a lot more money on those bigger deals. So I would say, just knowing what I know now, I would have I would have jumped to, to bigger deals sooner. Yeah, that, that makes sense. In the beginning, most of you are kind of afraid, right? You're like. Should I do it? Yeah. Let's, let's start a little bit small. Let's see how it goes, right? Exactly. Exactly. So, so. but once, once I got into the game, I realized that, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's good now. I know I like, I like to be good at what I do because then I just, I, I feel more confident and just more confidence in myself. It was not fun when I didn't really know what I was doing, but now, now I'm pretty good at what I do. Oh, nice. That's yeah. amazing. All right. Let's, let's wrap it all up. And do you have, one last tip what's what's what is the the, the biggest learning what you had in in, in your career mm -hmm, mm -hmm. biggest learning i would just say is uh um uh biggest learning so the the thing that i've learned the most up until this point mm -hmm. yeah okay um gosh i'm not... I know a lot. It's just, it's just funny being on the spot because I'm like, oh, there's a lot, but the, that's what's going to mind. Uh, the biggest thing I learned. Oh, the biggest thing I learned was um, um, uh, people. 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 We will do business with you, not necessarily because you give them the the best price. They'll do business with you because they feel good around you, feel they feel trustworthy. So, I would say the biggest thing I learned is. This this business gave that it's all relationships, all relationships. So just yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So biggest thing I learned is not always about price with people. Sometimes it's just you know, do they like you? And and a lot of times people will go with your offer instead of someone else's. This is this is so true. I had this very often in my business that people just got started in, in my business just because they want to spend time with me, and just because people buy you every time for the, the yeah. buy you and then they buy what you really have to offer so if you are not like a, a nice person you will have just a just a bad start yeah totally right totally people like people pick up on good energy no one wants to be around someone who's you know got terrible energy they want to be around people exactly. like, like, like i can see why people would follow you because you're you know you're you're a leader and you're actually on the front lines and you're doing it and you're um you're crushing it right so people everyone wants to you know hop on uh Hop on someone who's actually doing it themselves and lead by, by example. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you for noticing. <laughs> yeah. No, of course not. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you so much, Solomon, for taking the time to be in the podcast. Yeah. No worries. And thank, thanks so much for having me. I've never been on a podcast or no one's ever asked me. So I was honored to come on here and talk for a bit. Awesome. Thank you so much. And for everybody who is watching the podcast right now and wants to know more about education, how to elevate yourself, just visit pepuniversity.com. We have a lot of different courses what we offer to become a better person, to learn skills about sales, marketing, network marketing, and a lot of things. 
fitness programs and just check out the page and let's get started. All right, then thank you so much and let's see you in the next episode.